Welcome to Clark County Today. I'm your host, David Mador. Our guest today is Cheryl Bledsoe. Cheryl is the emergency manager for CRESA, which is the Clark Regional Emergency Services Agency. Okay. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You, are invo- you were just recently involved in a conference. It was the 140 conference. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, we brought a global conference here to Vancouver, Washington, called the 140 Character Conference. When you say we, who's we? Um, the Clark County Public Health Department, as oh. well as the Clark Regional Emergency Services Agency. Okay. We received a grant um, from CDC, the Center for Disease Control, um, to teach governments and public agencies about how to use social media. Mm-hmm. Um, during the H1N1 swine flu situation about a year and a half ago, um, the four counties in southwest Washington uh, spawned up blogs and began to try to communicate with the citizens using social media. Um, but it was during a time where we were also crunched for learning. Um, we were trying to get the vaccines out and distributed to the public. And so one of the after-action moments that we learned was we just were not as prepared as we should have been to communicate through social media tools. So one of the after-action moments was how do we learn more, how do we teach, and how do we um, get folks familiar with the concepts of communicating through social media. And so it was identified as an after-action moment, and we brought this conference, which is a very unique type of conference. Um, it brings uh, it brought 65 speakers uh, to the Hilton last wow. Thursday, and every presentation was 10 minutes or less, uh, unless you were on a panel. If you were on a panel of four speakers or less, you had 20 minutes. Uh, and you could not use PowerPoint presentation. Uh, You had to communicate how social media is transforming your business. And so we had lots of different speakers, lots of uh, variety and perspective shared throughout the day. You said how many speakers? 65 speakers in eight hours. That is a... (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that was was awesome. It must have been like a fire hose of information. It was. It was a precision timing. We had to ensure speakers were on target, um, great time clock that uh, played the theme to Exodus every time uh, they came close to their 10-minute uh, uh, marker. But it really caused speakers to have to distill the main points down to uh, what's memorable. You know, the human attention span is 11 minutes. So to have different types of speakers every 10 minutes was really rich and really uh, engaging for the audience. That's great. So there is actually, you turned the H1N1 experience that we all went through into an advantage. That was a dry run where we really didn't have a real catastrophe in our area. But what you did, you you applied that insight and realized the necessity for having, well, you could take advantage of the social media, which is a brand new technology. Yep. So this is really leading edge. And this is something that's not happening everywhere in the United States. No. We are, you know, how many other places? How, where are we in the rank? Well, CRESA as an agency, as an emergency management agency, is on the bleeding edge of using social media. We've been using it for about three and a half years. Uh, We started with a blog. Um, We have a Facebook fan page, and we actually have two Twitter accounts. We have uh, CRESA is our main Twitter account to share emergency information. And then CRESA Talk is our chatter account. It allows us to talk back to the public and share information when they ask us questions. Um, We learned that a lot of folks were signing up for Twitter but wanting to get Um, the emergency alert. So they were signing up for text messaging to get Twitter via text messaging by signing up to follow it with uh, sending a text message to 40404. And we learned they didn't want to necessarily have our chatter as part of that when we were communicating with other citizens, which is why we have the two chatter accounts. And so... Let me me back you up a little bit there. You rattled through so much. Sorry. You you have a a lot of information (laughs) there. So you said if people want to... First of all, they want to find out about 
uh, this, the social media connection to CRESA, to the emergency management in our area, they can go to Facebook and they can enter CRESA, C-R-E-S-A, and they can find that account and they can, at that point, sign up uh, so that they can get, they can basically log on to or receive, tie into that network, the, yeah. the, the uh, Twitter so we got Twitter and we got Facebook. Facebook. And so a blog. And actually it's all tied together through our main website, which is Cressa911.org. Cressa911.org. And if you go to our main website, right on the front page on how to connect, you have a link to our Facebook fan page. You also can see the Facebook widget. So even if you don't have a Facebook account, you can see what we're posting on the Facebook fan page. Um, and people can follow Facebook uh, and receive it via text messaging if they send a called a fast follow where they uh, send a text message to I believe it's fbook32665 okay. uh, to follow Cressa and they can receive the Facebook updates or if you're on Twitter um, you can follow us at Cressa C-R-E-S-A um, to receive the emergency alert information really what Cressa does is we put the information that we would put in a press release on our blog and then we share that information through Facebook and Twitter. And we find that every um, audience, the blog, Facebook, or Twitter, have different audiences. So while we may have elected officials and folks that follow us on the Facebook fan page, we have a lot more news media and press that follow us on our Twitter accounts. So it's really just additional arrows in our communication bandwagon. Um, we're not abandoning traditional communication. We still mm -hmm. write press releases. And, we still, and you still want people to call 911 in an emergency. You still want people to call um, our 911 infrastructure actually isn't set up to receive text messaging or social media messaging in emergencies. So it's vital that people share uh, that through 911. Mm -hmm. um, but for this event, uh, we were, have been on the leading edge of social media. And so public health asked us to manage the event because they um, wanted, want to enhance social media in the government side of the house too in terms of the public health department and using it for behavioral change messaging and, and different types of messaging. So while CRESS has been really forward facing, many other government agencies are still struggling to figure out where they fit in and how they can use social media to their advantage to connect and engage the general public. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. the, if, if people want to be able to sign up to mm -hmm. get messages uh, from CRESA, mm -hmm. they can actually open a Twitter account, mm -hmm. and in the process it's a fairly simple thing, you just simply pick a, a name and, and yeah. you have to go through a verification from your cell phone that says, Send a text message to 40404, which is a Twitter, mm -hmm. and it will then, that, that will log you into them. Mm -hmm. And so that if you end up sending something and we're signed up to be able to follow that, it will actually send that text and it will alert your cell phone that says, hey, there's an important message here from Cressa. Absolutely. Right? Yep. That's exactly how it happens. Oh, good. I was just guessing it all yep. that. Yep. Nope. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that is so uh, both Facebook and and. Twitter. Is there any other social media that you tie it into? Well, on our blog, um, we do have the ability for people to sign up via email subscription. So if they simply want to receive what we're putting on the blog through their email, they just go to uh, go to the blog and put their email address in, and it sends it to them via email. Okay, so, so they can get it that way as well. Yeah. So the blog, again, that's at Cressa911.org, uh -huh. right? Okay. Yep. If people want to be able to communicate back, let's say you have a crisis situation happening. Sure. And someone in that crisis wants to be able to uh, send a, a, a tweet mm -hmm. message of information that's, that would be helpful mm -hmm. to Cressa. Sure. Is this a two-way link? It is a two-way link. 
Um, we are we communicate with folks every single day um, through through the either they can leave a comment on the Facebook page, or they can include uh, using the at um, sign at Cressa, um, and we will see that uh, very immediately, and we're able to respond okay. to folks during emergency and during crisis situations. Um, there may be some time lag between when we're able to get back to that messaging. It's not instantaneous because uh, we have mm -hmm. to structure in such a way that we can respond to the needs of the emergency. And while we have public information officers who are paying attention to that, mm -hmm. sometimes the you know we will get the messages, but they're not always you know if it's a life safety thing, we definitely want people to call nine one one. Sure, that. and that's why you have the two accounts. You have mm -hmm. one account that's basically just dialogue, kind of conversation, and it's okay. not an emergency. And, and again, that, that, how do people get to that? Cressa Talk. So oh, Cressa, Cressa Talk. Cressa Talk is the chatter account. Cressa itself is only going to be one-way communication where we share out the information. Okay. And people can include at Cressa, and then we'll respond to it through the Cressa Talk and account. And if people want to be able to send an a important message, mm -hmm. somewhat on the level of a 911 message, then, they would, then that's not Cressa Talk, that is... You can always just include Cressa, and we will respond to it usually from the Cressa Talk account. So people oh, don't, don't have to follow the Cressa Talk account. They can follow Cressa to get the emergency alerts, and as they talk, we will chatter back with them on the Cressa Talk okay, account. Okay, so there's not two channels? I thought there. I thought you said there was two channels. There are, but it's it's kind of a fine distinction because when people sign up to get the text alerts through Cressa, they don't always want our replies to every single person. So if you replied to me and put something at Cressa in the middle of it, um, and I replied to you from Cressa, that may also go out via text messaging to someone else. And if someone wants to send to an, uh, mm -hmm. an, uh, an emergency message mm -hmm. to Cressa that way, first of all, the best way is via 911. Always via 911. But if, if you're not able to do that, or for some reason you might be able to just simply send it a text, yeah, just information. then again, they send it to, to Cressa they Talk. They it at Cressa so or there's not Cressa a, Talk. So the, oh, okay. Either at one. Cressa, so either one, they're yeah. both of the same priority. They are the, at Cressa Talk, we put all of our information out on, which also includes preparedness information. So if I'm just sharing, you know, hey, it's sunny outside today, but I want to tell you how to prepare for a hurricane, uh -huh. then that goes out. Our blog also shares preparedness information and response. Mm -hmm. So Cressa shares primarily response information. Cressa Talk includes the response information, but also has the preparedness components. Got it. Okay. So if Good. you want so the whole you. enchilada, you can follow Cressa Talk. Okay. If you just want emergency alerts, follow Cressa. Right. So this is, uh, this is something that is proactive. You have mm -hmm. taken the lead. And uh, you've been very instrumental in making that happen, haven't you, Cheryl? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. you had a personal part in this, right? Oh, absolutely. How, is there a story behind that? Um, there, you know, we had a windstorm about um, almost four years ago now, back in 2007, um, that happened on a Thursday night. And that windstorm started about 4.30 in the afternoon and by about 6 p.m. had caused over a million dollars in damage to Clark County. Mm. And at that point, um, I did not have the ability to update a blog or anything to share information directly with the public. And so um, because the county was closed that following Friday, I was unable to update the website until the following Monday. Um, and that was a real problem for me as an emergency manager because the news media was saying, is anything going on? Are people responding to the emergency? And I knew right then about that same time, some of the reports were coming out about the Virginia Tech shooting that had happened oh. and how people were using their cell phones to share information and victim lists and all sorts of stuff very immediately and early on in the emergency. 
So we began looking at how do we incorporate dynamic ways of communicating with the public. And we started our blog. We uh, began investigating in January of 2008, and by June, had our blog off the ground. And so we've been using uh, the social media for preparedness messaging. We played a really exciting game last September called 30, ways, uh, 30 Days, 30 Ways, where each day we asked the public to complete a preparedness task, like checking the batteries in their smoke alarm or um, having their out-of-area contact call in for points. And by the end of 30 days, we had um, 28 states in the United States had participated in the game and oh. five countries. And that was really exciting for us to see that over 600 people had gotten more prepared as a result of playing an online game. So uh, we're really good. pushing the envelope and trying to make sure that we connect with our community. And it sounds like <laughs> that is great. That is something that has uh, made us more able to be prepared. Now, if, if something like a H1N1 happens, whatever, you already have applied that that insight, and you've got something in place that wasn't in place before. You fill the vacuum, the vacuum, the vacancy with a tool that is new technology yeah. to, to many of us. Yeah, absolutely. And it allows us to um, solve problems more quickly. And really the goal is for the community to be prepared. So if we can share information and the community can help solve the problems, um, we had a great example in Astoria with a cannery fire not too long ago, several months ago, where um, a cannery fire um, took out a lot of office space. Um, they posted online all of the places that needed office space, and the community came forward and said, here's who has office space, and the community was able to solve the community's problems. And those are the great values that we have in social media, is when, when the public can solve the public's problems, government doesn't have to get as involved as it used to be. That makes so much sense, because there are so many people that were in the community who want to help the community, mm -hmm. and they don't know how right. to do that. So this provides a way to link up the problem owner with the problem solver right. that we can pitch together, and we can all do something to move us forward. Yeah, that's great. If, for, and again, those people who don't necessarily tweet or have Facebook, if they just want to have email, a lot of, more people probably have email, yeah. then again, they just go to the website and, and enter their name and you can just simply send your emails that yeah. way. Crescent911.org is the only thing you okay. need to remember. And for those individuals that have none of those, mm -hmm. uh, we have 911, but they can also just simply go to the library or something and just look up a website and, that web, and, and they can, you can access it that way. Sure. And people get worried that because we're involved in social media that we're ignoring our traditional means, and we're absolutely not. We still send press releases out to the media. Mm -hmm. We still have our reverse notification system. So that is a telephone landline-based system where if an emergency, a threat, or hazard happens within Clark County, we're able to send out a phone message to folks. Um, and then we also still use the emergency alert system over the radio stations. So the beeping noises with the tones um, are all ways that we communicate, and social media just gives us one more avenue uh, to reach folks in just a different way. So the reverse 911, people don't need to do anything for that. If there's a, if there's a major emergency, Cresta will automatically, if it, when they make a decision to do so, mm -hmm. send out a, an automatic call that will inform people verbally to just pick up the phone as a normal telephone call and be informed about it. Yes. And that's already in place. Yep, already in place, and we use it much more in limited geographic situations. So when there is, say, a SWAT a law enforcement situation, maybe where there's a subject who's barricaded himself or herself in in a location, we're able to identify on a map, you know, calling maybe a one-mile radius of, of that location and say, you know, there may be law enforcement presence in your area. Please stay inside or please evacuate. Those are the primary 
um, information that we share over the alert system as either hunker down, stay safe, or here's where to evacuate. Interesting. In, in, let's say, for instance, mm -hmm. just kind of uh, just a, a rabbit trail here. In sure. case that happens, let's say at three in the morning, you got somebody a uh, quarter mile away where there's something happening. There's some discretion that goes on there whether or not you're going to ring everybody's cell phone right. or, or landline right. at 3 in the morning. So It depends. It's at the discretion of the law enforcement or the fire personnel depending on the severity of the hazard. So mm -hmm. usually it's going to be a hazardous materials or it's going to be a law enforcement involved situation. It requires so. an immediate... Yes. There's some threat to people's lives yes. or property. Yep. If we're on the phone, please listen. And you mentioned that you work through the broadcast media using the, the tone. What is that? Is that the emergency broadcast system? They call it the emergency alert system. Oh, yeah. Emergency alert system. Alert, emergency I remember they used to system. have that test, and you. Yep. They you still up. do. <laughs> we do every Wednesday morning, actually, at about 10 a.m. Um, these the emergency alert system that uh, goes off and gives the tones, and then says, you know, stand by for an emergency message. And if it's a test, you'll hear it's a test. And if it's not, uh, it will give you some uh, life-saving information about you know, the, the nature of the alert. The last time we used it here that uh, we know saved lives was during the tornado back in 2008 uh, in January when um, the emergency alert system was used just as the tornado was going uh, west to east through Clark County. Um, and some folks uh, out in Hawkinson were actually working on a uh, truck and jumped into a ditch as the tornado passed right on by them. Uh, it's a system that still works and something we use to this day. You said every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. you run a test? The, the emergency alert system runs a test. Different counties manage the test in terms of who's testing their system that week. Um, but if you have a weather radio that uh, pings, it usually goes off at about 10 a.m. on Wednesdays. So that doesn't necessarily broadcast all the way out. No. That goes to the stations, and they right. make sure their equipment is in right. place. And I, and I guess the reason you send that tone out is, isn't there automated equipment in, in line somewhere that will then respond to that yes. automatically? So you yes. And okay. uh, weather radios, NOAA weather radios that are programmed to receive that alert will instantaneously turn on. So if you have a personal radio that is a NOAA weather alert radio, it will turn on at 10 a.m. for that test. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. So even a weather radio is used during the emergency to receive emergency messages that have to do with a crisis. Mm -hmm. So it would be a good idea for individuals to be able to have a weather radio around just in case there's something happening that, like that. Yep. Suppose there is something like a tsunami and you got people that are in the lower elevations here. We have people that line the Columbia River and the Willamette. There's a whole sure. lot going there. What would be the response? Would you use the reverse 911 to handle that? It depends on uh, the areas that need to be notified. Um, sometimes we still use very traditional means of notifying, such as law enforcement personnel using bullhorns if it's at campgrounds. Uh, it really depends on the prevalence of the media in that area, um, where certainly it's hard for us to use a reverse 911 telephone system in an area that may or may not have telephone um, capability. So sometimes, uh, depending on where the origins of the tsunami are, such as when they uh, or originate over in Japan, we have some time to do some real face-to-face uh, -face notification. When the coastal areas in southwest Washington did evacuation following the Japan tsunami, a lot of that was officers going out to the beach to, to warn people and and, uh, and use their siren system to let folks know. I see. And, and is there some kind of an iPhone or an iPad app that people can use also to be able to tune in in another way to the Cresta system or? There's of course the scanner apps that are on uh, iPhones in terms of listening to the radio traffic and what's going on uh, among the emergency systems, but it's not really an emergency alerting tool. Mm -hmm. um, the federal government, um, Craig Fugate of the um, uh, FEMA organization, he's the regional administrator, just announced a system that they're testing in New York and I believe Los Angeles 
um, for people to receive alerts to their mobile phones. And that is not yet rolled out in Southwest Washington, but we hope it'll be in, in the very near future. The reverse 911 system, does that also go to cell phones? If you sign up your cell phone, which you can do at the So that's a voluntary thing. That's not all. Yeah. So the landlines are automatically enrolled, yes. every landline. Yep. But cell phones, you have to take an action to do that. And then yes. the way you enroll that, again, is to go to the website? Go to the website, and there's a little cell phone icon that says to sign up your phone. And what, why you have to sign up is because you have to affiliate your cell phone number with the address you want to receive alerts to. So what you can do with your cell phone is affiliate it with your work address and your home address. Mm -hmm. So you receive emergency alerts in both locations. Or some people even sign up their mobile phone maybe for a elderly relative's address so that they you know, are aware of what's going on in their loved one's communities. So mobile phones are a bit more transient, not as locked into location as uh, landline phones are. I'm curious how, as an emergency manager, mm -hmm. or the emergency manager, how you view people that, that have scanners and, and basically tune into the police radio band. Do you feel like there's, there's a, I assume there's advantages and disadvantages there uh, because some of that information is kind of sensitive. It's real time and it's raw. Yeah. How do you see that? Do you feel like, oh, well, let the emergency people respond, let the police do their job? Or, or you feel like, hey, people should tune in because it helps them be more aware. It's public information, and folks have a right to listen to it in terms of what's going on. And, uh, you know, the media, for the most part, are really good at uh, tuning in to kind of what's going on on the scanner traffic. Um, you know, and for the most part, you know, our, our communities are our allies and our members, and, and they can help us in terms of most emergency responses. The only times where it becomes potentially uh, difficult is if folks are intervening in an incident mm -hmm. or, you know, staying, getting into dangerous areas when they shouldn't be. You, know, you always Vigilante have the, kind of... Well, I think more of the tsunami alerts when people go to the coast to take pictures of the tsunami um, and, and that can be very dangerous. A, a, sure. a person lost their life in uh, southern Oregon yeah. trying to go out. Uh, and uh, so we just want to make sure that folks are doing it not so much to chase the storm, but to take the preparedness actions. So, sure. You want them to do wise things, right. not this curiosity, looky loo thing that puts right. themselves in danger. Right. right. Okay. Absolutely. When it comes to volunteers, mm -hmm. uh, how can people volunteer? Do you have some kind of a people that go uh, as a group? that have gone through the preparation classes or something like that that helps them to be another resource uh, that, you can, that, that can be enrolled to respond. Yes. There are many organizations in Clark County, and we always encourage folks that are interested in volunteering to get affiliated with an organization before the disaster strikes. Because no matter what happens during a disaster, folks want to help and they want to be involved. But it's also important to realize that when we're in the middle of a disaster situation, we can't always deploy you know, strangers to different scenes, mm. usually because of safety reasons. Um, we don't often have the same time to do the background checks and the ability to say, you know, we know you want to help, but you know, we can't send you into a, a vulnerable person's home you know, if we learn something you know, uh, scary or dangerous about it at the time. And so it's really, really important that uh, people consider you know, what they would do during an emergency and how they might volunteer. Um, folks can get involved usually with their church or religious organizations. The American Red Cross has crisis and disaster action team members. We have citizen emergency response teams. They're called CERT teams. And our police departments have volunteers in police service or the Neighbors on Watch program, which are all excellent ways to get involved and are, are programs that we use during emergencies to assist us in many, many types of missions and tasks. 
Um, a lot of times we hear the complaint that people call the Red Cross during the emergency and say, I want to go to Japan today, you know, when, when Japan's mm -hmm. had the emergency within the past few days. And they get very frustrated because they get processed with hundreds of other volunteers and may or may not, you know, have priority to help out the, those emergencies. So people so. want to help. They have mm -hmm. that caring heart, especially, I, I imagine, during a crisis, a lot of those emotions come out and they can yeah. drive people to want to do something, yeah. but unless they're prepared, that's not the time to get prepared. Right. That's not the time to think of, well, now I want to help and they haven't done anything. Right. So if people want to be ready mm -hmm. and helpful so they can be enrolled during a time when there is a crisis, then do it ahead of time. Yeah, do it today. There's nothing. It's so much easier to get affiliated and actually be really, really useful during a crisis um, if the organizations get to know you when there's not a crisis going on. Is there a log or a, a registration database or something so that if somebody goes to some of these preparation mm -hmm. classes, they, their name gets onto a list and Cressa will say, I see you are registered here to be able to, to do CPR, to be able to do whatever those qualifications are, and you can at that point use them as a helpful resource, yes. right? Yes, yes. We coordinate a number of different volunteer programs. So like the CERT program, the Volunteers uh, in Police Service, the Medical Reserve Corps, um, the Coalition of Organizations Active in Disaster. But what we coordinate is the emergency worker registration. So we have the overall database of all the volunteers within Clark County that are covered under the state of Washington's emergency worker program. And why that's a great program is it offers the Good Samaritan liability insurance. So if someone's mm -hmm. acting on, on good faith during an emergency or crisis disaster, they're not personally liable for things that happen. Or if they get injured in an emergency response, the state covers them uh, to a certain degree. So it's important to be pre-affiliated and important to be on the overall registry and we're able to use folks. Uh, you rattled off a long list yeah. of ways people can get involved. If you were to boil that down to the, maybe the top one or two that people can, can say, well, I can do that, mm -hmm. what would you recommend that they do? What specific steps can you recommend, mm -hmm. class they can take, some program they can sign up, so that they will get into that, what was that list you called? The emergency worker registration. Emer emergency worker registration. Uh, yeah. this, how do they do that? Um, they can uh, join the American Red Cross. Uh, how do they do that? Um, they just, how do they you can go to the Cressa911.org site and click on our link that says volunteer, and we give you the five or six organizations that we coordinate with uh, in Clark County. So that is a very valuable, helpful website. So yes. you can go to that. You can say, I want to be prepared. Yep. This will show them how to get yep. prepared. And we'll give you direct links to the different organizations and how to apply. And I would assume that one of the obvious things that really every responsible adult adult mm -hmm. ought to be able to do would be make sure they know CPR, make yes. sure that they can save a life on their own because quite often it may be too late yeah. to wait for somebody else to arrive when you're there. Yep. And so what would be the, the fastest, most, simplest way for people to make sure they know at least CPR? Uh, going through your American Red Cross, actually uh, you can sign up for a Red Cross or a first aid or CPR class. Uh, and there's a number of different locations. Clark College, as well as the Northwest Regional Training Center, offers uh, first aid and CPR you know, multiple times a, a month uh, here in Clark County. There are even iPhone apps on uh, first aid uh, and uh, applications that you can download that give you the instructions. And it's really important that folks know when a disaster strikes, we prioritize emergency response resources. And there's very few of them. People think about how many police cars and fire trucks there might be. And the prioritization for us as an emergency manager is 
how can we save the most lives with the resources we have? Mm -hmm. So to send resources to individual homes or individual property is not going to happen often during an emergency. So folks need to be prepared to be on their own and on their own maybe for up to 10 days or two weeks. Uh, it's really important to consider, you know, what would happen if they couldn't uh, have access to emergency resources. So if even people wanted to do the simple thing of just simply taking a CPR class, they can, again, they can go to that very valuable website, mm -hmm. click from there to Red Cross, and they will tell them how. Yes. And also, uh, I know our business, we have actually have enough people here mm -hmm. where we've had uh, instructors come in, mm -hmm. schedule them, and we have maybe one or two days, half a days or a certain number of hours, where a group of our employees can come in and they can take the classes. So that's not something that you need to just simply fall into someone else's schedule, but you can actually bring them on, uh, organize a group, mm -hmm. whether it be an employee group or just friends and neighbors to your community, and make that happen at, at their convenience at their time. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Uh, when it comes, you mentioned emergency supplies and for food and water. How do people find out about that? And what do you recommend, even if they don't go to the site, could you just simply name some of the things that people can do in case something bad happens, they can't get food and water and whatever the emergency supplies are? What, can, what should they have in their home to be prepared? Sure. Folks should have food and water on their home for about three days. The, the rule on water is one gallon of water per person per day. So if you're thinking about a, a four-person family, that would be about um, for three days, about 12 gallons of water. So, and that is for you know food hygiene and and uh, and drinking water. And for food, it's important to think about food that's non-perishable, things that um, you could eat without necessarily having power. So, uh, things like peanut butter, crackers, uh, things that can be prepared without actually um, you know having to to rely on your stove or or ways to cook. If people need to leave their home mm -hmm. in case there's an emergency, do you recommend to have actually a go kit that has uh, whatever you need to be able to go on the, on the yep. fly? Emergencies can happen when you're not at home. They can also happen when you're in your vehicle. We had a situation in La Center where we had a fire along the freeway on a 106-degree day a couple of summers ago, and people were stuck in their cars for six, seven hours during that fire situation. And the traffic backed up all along I-5. So it's important to carry bottles of water in your car and even some you know, snacks and stuff uh, in, your, in your vehicle in case you were to be stranded. Sometimes we get those freak snowstorms and you know, folks get stranded for longer periods of time and it's important to be prepared, home, office, and your vehicle. And you may just forget about what's in your trunk, but if you get stuck in one of those situations, then you think about it and you think, well, I'm sure glad I got the, 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 a blanket for each person or I have water here or whatever yep. that you need there. You, may, you might even need toilet paper or something. Yep. Just to be able to make sure that you are not putting yourself in a real difficult position. And if you're prepared in your vehicle, you're prepared to help others even during a vehicular accident. Um, I find that I access my kit for food, water, and blankets for folks when I come upon uh, car collisions that occur. Mm -hmm. And people you know, go into shock and, and don't think about what's happening. But if you're on scene and have a bottle of water for them, you can likely save a life. And that makes every, the preparation makes all the difference in the world. So you really recommend, really, to be responsible citizens. It's a really good idea for us to take the measures, to be prepared ahead of time, because we never know when that's going to be needed. That is true. Are there any other tips that you would think our community ought to hear from the emergency manager? Well, I think it's really important that folks know how to text message. That is the one thing that uh, is being seen in emergency after emergency, even in Haiti and Chile and Japan. 
And a lot of our community is not familiar with sending a text message, but sometimes in emergencies, the bandwidth for making a phone call goes away, but you're still able to send a text. And so it's really important to know how to do that and how to contact someone, a friend or family member in a different state. Because if the emergency happens here, we might be able to call someone in Montana, but we might not be able to call someone in Vancouver. So it's really important to have a person outside a state that your loved ones can call and say, hey, I'm okay, and coordinate that. They call that an out-of-area contact. So important. So it sounds like one of the natural responses, people may say, well, I don't text, I, don't, I, don't, I hardly have a cell phone, and they go through the things of just listing how they normally live. Mm -hmm. But it sounds to me like part of that being prepared is stretching yourself a little bit and getting more familiar with with your sending a text. And just for the sake of being able to use it when you need it, mm -hmm. start sending some texts. Yeah. Start emailing, mm -hmm. learn how to do that. Just at least get a Twitter account and once in a while just send something and list something, maybe your friends or your, or your family members, just because it becomes a tool that you're familiar with because you just don't know if you're gonna need it. Yeah. Better to know when it's not an emergency. Um, uh, Japan found out that 500,000 people signed up for Twitter accounts the day after the earthquake, and that's because it was the only way they could communicate. And, they, and it would have been better the day before. Before the earthquake. Yeah, right. or a month or a year before. Yeah. So not just to sign up, but to get familiar with it so that you're not trying to figure it out right. under in a crisis. Right. I, I expect that when a crisis happens, your ability to think about more than more than one thing just pretty much gets down to like one or two things yes. and the best maybe three things mm -hmm. and you're just focusing it's almost like you're nearsighted that's all you can think about or see about is this one thing so the automatic behavior happens when you've been prepared in your practice and it's like oh yeah i already know how to do that that kicks in yeah when you practice or you exercise certain things it becomes like muscle memory and your body automatically begins to go through those steps you're not in practice, you're much more liable to go into paralysis and not quite sure what to do. So practice, you know, fire drills out of your home. Practice communicating with those that you would connect with during an emergency because when you can't think and you're, you know, dealing with a crisis, it just comes much more naturally. When it comes to any other resource, like I say, a, a video that people could view, maybe online or something, are, are you pointing to those kind of resources on your website as well? Yes, there's a, a number of great resources. Um, through the State Emergency Management Association, as well as like Centers for Disease Control, and FEMA puts out a fair amount as well. So oftentimes on our blog, we'll uh, share different types of preparedness tips and, and ways, to, uh, ways to consider, ways to think about that people often don't. What about, what about ham radio operators? Do you work with ham radio operators? We, we have uh, teams of ham radio operators here in Clark County, and actually in my emergency operations center, a whole ham uh, radio room where uh, folks come in and communicate uh, out with other ham radio operators throughout Clark County. They serve as weather spotters for us so that when we're in a, a weather-related hazard event, um, they report in in terms of where the river levels are at and what they're seeing out in the community, as well as identifying uh, needs that they're seeing in terms of traffic congestion and other key issues that we need to uh, respond to. So if you're a ham radio operator, do you need to go or should you go through some kind of a registration process so that this CRESA knows that you are there and they can yep. you're, you're enrolled in the system? Yep, one of the volunteer groups, and I overlooked it earlier when I mentioned it on the website, is our Clark uh, Amateur Radio uh, Disaster Group, and they are also part of that emergency worker registration. So there's a link on our website and connect with the Clark County Amateur Radio Operators and, uh, and get connected, and they serve with us as well.
That's very good. So those, I, I, I know ham radio operators, you can quite often tell where they are, where they live, because they got those antennas all over the place, yes. or not, you know, <laughs> to varying degrees. Mm -hmm. So those neighbors that may be annoyed by that, yes. one comforting fact in that is that they just might save your life, or they just might get that emergency communication in a time of a crisis. So those ham radio operators can be very valuable, very yes. precious in yeah. a time of when communication uh, drops out. Even if satellites or whatever drop out, right. you got something, you got a solar s storm or something, mm -hmm. uh, quite often, the, especially for a local area, right. the, that communication could be the backbone uh, during such a crisis. Yep, yep, we rely on them heavily and they come in and test their system every week with us and report to the state so we know that those uh, communication channels are open and working. So. Very good. Yeah. Anything else that we ought to make people aware of? No, just uh, make sure that you think about preparedness today and not uh, when the disaster strikes. Okay. Are there any more conferences like this 140 conference uh, coming up or all those other social media conferences that people ought to be made aware of? Um, there probably are, um, but in terms of this conference, this was kind of a unique event for us. It's so like a one-time event. Kind of a, yeah, there will be discussions about what happens in the future, but we've not sorted out uh, whether or not we would do this again. So. And how many people attended that event? Well, we had um, uh, 350 people that attended in person, and um, I'm still getting the numbers, but I was told today it was over 85,000 minutes that wa were watched online because it was live-streamed out. Um, and we're also posting all the YouTube videos, all the different presentations uh, as we receive them. So we will on the website on the uh, 140 character website. What, um, what 140 character the, website? Uh, it's a separate website. It is attached right now to our Cressa website, but um, the conference website was nw.140conf.com. We'll say that slower again. Nw Northwest nw.140conf. Dot com. So that's the, the 140 character conference is an international conference and they have, uh, it's part of their branding. So we have a Northwest uh, version, kind of a website off of theirs to talk about the 140 conference. So, Great. Uh, yeah. Well, it's nice to know that you are on the leading edge, as you describe it, the bleeding edge. Yes. And that you are using whatever resources are making them are making themselves available. This new technology, you're taking advantage of it, and the community can take advantage of it. Yes, that's very informative. I'm glad you're on the right path. Good. We we will do anything to communicate with the public, and it's important to us because we serve the public, and uh, um, we can't do our jobs well if we're not in the in the areas in which the public is communicating. Yes, and you're engaging engaging the community. That's yes. great. Thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for the insight to get all that up in place already. We are much more prepared than we ever were. So, great. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That pretty much wraps it up for Clark County Today. Thank you.